Thank you for listening to the Renovate Life Church of God's broadcast. Here's today's message from our pastor, James Demmel. I'm sure there's those people in the room that have not got, yet gotten it. But you only have one source. Everything else in your life is a resource. Now, I told you I was a storyteller. I would love to tell you a story that really drove this message home. But there is no story to tell other than the fact that if you get in the Word of God and you read the Word of God and you gain understanding of the Word of God, you realize that Jesus Christ, our God, our Savior, our Lord, is the source and everything. I mean everything. The air you breathe is a re source amen i don't think it's sunk in yet i don't think the last 28 times i said it is sunk in because i want you to understand that he is your source he everything else i don't care what you get in life everything else is a resource that god gave you because of your relationship with him amen you have one source you have one means by which god does everything And I hope we understand that he is our source. Because once you make the resource a source, then it becomes an idol. Amen? If you have money in the bank, and that's your source, your resource, it's an idol. If if your job is number one in your life, if that, listen to me, is your resource and it becomes your source then that is an idol are you hearing me if your bank card and what you have is your resource then it becomes your source then that is an idol and god says there will be none before me so god is your source in everything i mean everything is a resource verse 8 says and god is able to make all grace abound toward you. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound. We don't understand the word abound. To every good work. Do you understand what you just read? There, there is an understanding to the sufficiency of God's grace that we get with this word God is able and then to abound. Because I want you to understand, do you, let, let me give you an understanding of what the word abound means. If we have sufficient grace and God's grace is always sufficient, God's grace is more than we need. That's what sufficiency is. It's more than what you have to have. You ever been in a place where you just, just had enough? I've been in a places in my life where I just barely was able to squeak by because I barely had enough. I remember a story in the Bible where God tells that God's people did not listen to him, Israel, and their coats grew with them because they would not listen to the Lord, so he sent them around the mountain, and their clothes grew. They had just enough. They didn't have any extra. They had just enough. I don't want to live with just enough. I want to understand the grace of God in my life so I can have sufficient blessing. Are you hearing me? And so listen, if I want to give you an understanding of how God works. This little boy comes to the edge of the river or the edge of the ocean and he's standing there and there's 5,000 people and the Bible says that they needed to eat and this little boy donated five loaves and two fishes. It was not enough, was it? But the Bible tells us that as Jesus came by, his grace is sufficient. So he prayed, 
over the food. And then when we, where we find grace abounds is there is always left over. When it's all said and done, everybody's belly was full. There's probably a couple people like me that can eat a whole 18-inch pizza that were sitting there. And they probably had a couple extra pieces of fish. But God's grace was enough for them too. You know why? Because when the, they all came back, when the 12 disciples came back, they had 12 baskets left over because God's grace is always sufficient. It's always abundantly abroad. Oh, can you hear what I'm saying this morning? Praise his holy name. And there's a treasure found when you understand the grace of God. There is no situation in your life where God is not sufficient. Amen. And so I hope that you get an understanding of what we just read. Grace always comes with abundance if it's God's grace. We got a lot of mamby-pambies running around that don't know what God's grace is. And they want to tell you it's God's grace. And because we haven't read our word, because we haven't been in the Bible, we believe what they're spewing out. But I'm telling you this, when you understand the grace of God, if there's not abundancy in it, you better get yourself out of it. Because God's grace is abundant. He says God's grace has all grace. God has all grace. Always with leftovers. Amen? So when you talk about this and you begin to understand grace, you're talking about something that is extremely big. It's, it, it reaches vast, farly, beyond what you can comprehend. As the president would say, it's huge. You have to understand it's bigger than anything that you can get a hold of. Amen? It's mountain size. The Bible says, Deuteronomy 8.18. Now listen. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant with, he sweareth unto his fathers, that is, that is this day. Your ability to go to work tomorrow rest in the grace of God well pastor I don't know if I believe you then you get up one morning sick unable to go to work and you tell me about it amen because he gives you the ability to get up and go to work he gives you the ability to speak life into other people listen church people should know better than to speak death but we're speaking death all over our communities and we're wondering why people are dying and going to hell it's because we have forgotten the big grace of god that he is abundant that he is all he is our favor he is our shield. He is our buckler. He is our fortress. He is our deliverer. He is our mighty strength. He is our power. Oh, he's little in the Bible too. He's the little lily of the valley that shows up in the midst of the darkness to transform God's people. You ever been in the midst of the darkness? You didn't know what to do. You're scared to death. It's pumping anxiety inside your heart. It's racing at 110 miles an hour. And all of a sudden you see the little flower pop up that is jesus christ working in your life but also he's big in the bible the bible says that he is the door if you study that he is the magon he is the shield it is a great big door that is seven inches thick that goes before you you don't have to be afraid because the grace of god always goes before you boy i'm telling you what some of you are going to have to take a pill this morning isaiah 48 18 all that thou hast hearkened to my commandments that thou had thy peace been as a river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. God even gives you the ideas in your mind to profit. Amen? 
gives you the idea to make wealth. You may be down and out, but you pray to God and all of a sudden something pops up in your life and He helps you and He instructs you and He guides you. Everybody wants Jesus our Savior because that is the form of Jesus that shows love. Oh yes, He is a great love. But we don't want Jesus our Lord. Because if we get Jesus our Lord, that means master controller. And he means that. That means we have to change some things. So everybody loves Jesus our Savior. But there are very few that want Jesus our Lord. Amen? He gives you the ability and the knowledge to provide income for your family. Oh, He gives you the ability and knowledge of things that you had no ability and no knowledge of. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging bread. I have nowhere, I have no idea where I'm at in my notes. I will tell you this though. You don't have to be manipulated if God is your source. Because what you find is he is your resource. And listen, you know, the church people don't have to manipulate you. As a matter of fact, they don't have to send you a little bottle of water from the Jordan River that's blessed. Send me a $1,000 seed of faith and woo, I'll move on you, baloney. I told you before, it don't matter how you slice it. It don't matter what kind of special bread you put it on. You can put Dijon mayonnaise on it. That sounds real good. It is still baloney. Don't buy into the manipulation of the crowd and the manipulation of these men and women who don't know the Lord. That's what's going on. They want your money. But if you understand that God is your source, you don't have to worry about that. Well, I need, I need to get that special prayer cloth, that ephod from that special brother. That special guru, I got a habit, I'm going to drape myself in it because I feel the power of God. He's going to move on me. Woo. If you know the Lord, you don't need a special ephod from Israel. Amen? I know, I know preachers that preach with one. Can't even watch the guy. He may be as anointed as all get out, but it's complete craziness to me that you walk around with an ephod on your face. Anyway, you don't need trickery. You don't need manipulation. If you understand God is your source and God will take care of you, amen? Grace is the overflow of gratitude. 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. What is the unspeakable gift? If we go back in the scripture, it means the desirable gift called grace. The gift of grace. It's hard to fathom that grace is such a big gift. In verse 14 it tells us, And by their prayers for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Grace is so powerful and sufficient. 
that the moment that you come to know the Lord, everything that you were ever supposed to get from God was deposited into the sea. Now, if you missed the first understanding of this or the first sermon of this, I want you to understand that we found in the Bible that Bible tells us that when God, listen, He birthed you, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And when He birthed you in the spirit, you didn't have arms, you didn't have legs, you didn't have ears to hear, you didn't have a tongue to speak. But as you grow in the Lord the seed springs forth it's called cultivation and things begin to move in your life are you hearing me so it's grace is something that you access but you cannot earn it is something that God already gave you in his will everything is already deposited for you in the bank account called heaven you can't earn it it's already in your account If you try to earn God's favor, church, you're going to be in trouble. Because I want you to understand God has already favored you. Now, you have to have relationship. We again talked about that. That's why I hate people to miss church. Because what's going to happen here is they're going to come to me later and they're going to say, Okay, pastor, I get this part of the sermon, but I'm I'm missing this. I don't understand what you say. Be at church. Everybody's like, get me a CD. I'm like, I don't want to get you a CD because then you won't come to church. You think you can put it in your car, pop it in the car while you're at the speedway. And then you get out and go to work and you hear part of it. And then you hear another part of it. And then you still got to ask me questions. Come to church. Ooh, help me, Lord. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be in trouble before it's all over with. Listen. We have this saying amongst our leadership, everybody hasn't got it yet, but I tell, if they text me, good morning, pastor, how are you? I say BHF. Now, a lot of them are like, what? I am blessed and highly favored. I'm blessed and highly favored whether I got money. I'm blessed and highly favored whether I don't. I'm blessed and highly favored in the morning when I get up because I have another breath to begin a new day. I am blessed and highly favored when there's something going on in my family. I'm blessed and highly favored when there's something going on at the church. I'm blessed and highly favored. Do you know why that I'm blessed and highly favored? Do you know why you are blessed and highly favored? Because you have this thing called relationship with Jesus Christ. The moment that you begin a relationship with him, you get the will that he has already entrusted you with when he died on the cross. Doesn't everybody understand the legislation that took place the moment that he died on the cross? Listen, it was his final will and testament, and it was dispersed to his people. Listen, the love, the grace, the power, the mercy, the blood. Is what transforms lives. So God has already favored you. Isaiah 43 and 1 says, But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, and I have called thee by name, and thou art mine. This phrase, thou thou have called thee by name, through the idea of a definite standing out in position. He called you by name. Imagine sitting amongst a whole church people, a group of church people, and me saying from the platform, such and such come forth. He called you by name, and he set a position in your life as a memorial of individuality. He has marked you by implication to give honor, to give authority, to precede your character, to be a renowned report for people around you. He has called me by name. That's the definition in the original translation of the word of God. 
When you have accepted Jesus Christ, Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all, now shall he not with him also freely give us all things. God is the giver of the grace. Amen? With Christ from the beginning of salvation to death, he is deposited in your bank account. You have access to it. By faith, through the grace of God. You cannot earn it. I think I've said that, I don't know, a couple times now. Now that we understand that, we've understood that we can access it. And you've understood that there is only one source in universe. Jesus Christ. Let me take you to 1 Chronicles 29. 10-21. through 21. It's one of the greatest prayers of grace in the Bible. King David stands there, and I'm going to read it off to you. It says this, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and thy power and thy glory and thy victory and thy majesty. Now don't listen. I know this from myself. When I hear pastors read 10, 12 verses in a row, I start looking at my cell phone, checking to see who's on Facebook. I want you to pay attention. Because this is the glory of God and through a prayer that David prayed because he needed the grace of God and he calls him majestic. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as a head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, O God, we thank thee and praise thee, thy glorious name. But who am I? Some people forget to ask who am I because they think they're somebody. And what is my people? So David not only says, who is I? He says, knowing that Israel is the chosen people, he says, who are my people? Who am I? Who are my people? Another passage, he says, we are but dogs. Come on with me. I know it's tight, but it's right. Honor comes of thee, and thou reignest over all. In thine hand is power and might, and in thy, thine hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, O God, we thank thee. And we praise thee, thy glorious name, but who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee, and sojourners as well as our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand, and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasured in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. David was an adulterer. David was a sinner. But he said, God, in my heart, I have offered everything to you. The Bible tells us later that he was the apple of God's eye. Do you understand why David was the apple of God's eye? Because David was a prayer warrior. He said, God, I did not want to do these things, but somehow I did. And I'm asking one more time that you touch me by the grace that you have afforded me and you transform this inner man that's inside of me that I can't get a hold of. And I pray today that through your majesty, 
through your might, through your power, and through your dominion. You touch me. I feel the presence of God this morning. Now bless thee, the Lord your God, and all the congregation bless the Lord of their fathers and bow down their heads and worship the Lord and the King and thy sacrifice, sacrifice unto the Lord and offer burnt offerings unto the Lord. And on the morrow, after the day, even the thousand bullocks and a thousand rams and a thousand lambs with their drinks offered and sacrificed in abundance for all of Israel. He sacrificed because he knew he was nothing. A thousand of everything was a tenth, a tithe. I don't have time to go there. It's one of those powerful prayers of the Bible, a prayer of grace. He says, God, you own it all. So if God owns it all, then where's your source, church? You know, my dad used to quote this scripture. My, my father owns a, a, thousand, a cattle on a thousand hills and the gold and the silver in them. He said, I'm rich. We're rich. And if you want to see it as far as money goes, you're rich. If you want to see it as far as blessing, that's what I want to be blessed. I'm rich. Because blessing is different. I haven't told some of our leaders yet, but I've come up with this acronym called whips and we're going to pray I'm not going to tell you what they mean yet I'm not ready for that but we're going to pray over the pastor and his family that'd be me because we're growing and we're moving forward in the community and God is blessing and he's transforming lives you know when when I'm here and there's only 50 people here and I'm I'm preaching a hellfire and brimstone and I stop and I say we're blessed and we're growing you're looking around thinking yeah right but when you come in on Sunday morning and you can't find a seat, it's a total different ball game. We have reached something different. I want you to understand that the grace that God afforded to us is going to cause us to make changes if we don't make changes. Because listen, He is abundant. If you stay in your same old situation, if you stay stuck in the same old sin, if you continue down the same old path, you will never get to the power afforded you by the abundance of the grace. Hear me well. Lord, help me. So... God is good. Dave said, David said, I'm responding strictly because of the goodness of God in my life. Anybody that knows about the goodness of God is a cheerful giver. You don't have to manipulate someone that knows about the grace of God. Because they're glad to do it. They're joyful. And God loves a joyful giver. What he's talking about is your time, your talent, your ability, your treasure. What is the most valuable thing on earth? Does anybody know? Time. Gold can't buy time. Silver can't buy time. Nothing can buy time. And so what God is saying has nothing to do with money. But we as people correlate everything to money. He said, I'm talking about your time. He speaks of it first. The most important thing, the most expensive thing on earth. He said, I want some of your time and your talent. Then he says, I want your treasure. (laughs) 
Uh, here he goes, talk about money. I'm just reading what it said, okay? Y'all just settle down just a minute. What I want you to understand is when you understand grace, it not only flows to you, it flows through you. I'm going to say that one more time. When you understand grace, you understand that grace not only flows to you, it flows through you. Amen? Let me tell you a revelation that I had recently. I need to take you back in the passage. How's Dustin doing? Good. I need you to make a mental shift. I need you to to go far away from where we are today in today's society. We live in what is called the technological age. Before the technological age, there was an age called the industrial age. Factory workers, machinists, they brought the age of of technological advances that we know now. But I want you to skip back far beyond the technological age and far beyond the the age of the, (coughs) excuse me, the age of the industrial age. And I want to take you to the country. So um, I guess I'm inviting you today in a three-piece suit to go back to the muddy, beautiful fields of the country. I want to give you this understanding in this passage, but if you don't go back to the country, you can't get it. There's a country principle that starts off with verse 6 in Corinthians. It's the sowing and reaping. It's country. It's an understanding of planting and harvesting. It's an understanding of cultivating and taking care of. That's what you do in the country. You know, my dad lived in the city, but he grew up on a farm. And so therefore, you could walk out the back of the house and he had a chicken coop. South Ohio Avenue, right in the middle of Wellston. You could get your Speedway coffee and stop over for an egg. In another verse... He begins to talk about something more specific. He says the scatterers in verse 9. What are you scattering comes in verse 10. He who supplied the seed to the sower. When you go to the country, what you understand is, oh, McDonald has seed. And the grace is embedded in the seed. A great big watermelon starts with a little seed. I hope it's behind me. Who would have thunk it? When I was four years old, maybe five, we used to, my grandma, my parent, grandparents had a house and it was like a log cabin. And then the back they had a porch that went all the way around the back and they had a swing. And my grandma would sit always on the swing. This is etched in my memory. And we would, as little kids, we would take watermelon. My mom loved watermelon. She would cut the watermelon in a wedge. And we would bite the watermelon and we'd take the seed and it would run down the front of us and they would take pictures because that's the cutest thing on a little kid. And we would spit the seeds over the railing and we'd see how far we could spit the seeds. I, of course, always won. And so I'm telling the story so I can win every time. 
So one day, my grandpa found that all the seeds that we had spit finally produced something. It was a watermelon the size of a tomato. The seed is already advanced way bigger than it when I spit it out. Of course, it was my seed too. It's about the size of tomatoes, so he mowed the grass. He weeded it the whole yard, and in the midst, right over the banister, about two, it had to be 25 feet away because I was a spitter. I was a champ, world champ. Bunker Hill Road, world champion. Watermelon spitter, seed spitter. And there was this patch in the grass that he didn't mow because he knew that I was an investigator too. Door of the Explorer ain't got nothing on me. Four years old, I was out exploring and I found a watermelon. By this time, it was about this big. I'm four years old, so about Wyatt's size, here I come. Excited. Everything I do. I said, Grandpa! I found a watermelon. He said, well, buddy, I've been trying to hide that thing from you for weeks and I'll be daggone if you didn't get it. He was furious. Why? Because when we cut the watermelon open, it wasn't pink. It was white. Because I picked it before it was cultivated. I picked it before it was finished growing. I picked it prematurely. What we see in the church is somebody gets saved. They don't know a lot about the Word of God. They're not advanced enough in the Word of God to take the knocks and the hits that you get. And what we do is pick the seed way too early. We stick it, the watermelon up under their arm and say, Go win the nation. And what we find is several years later, they have done nothing. They're broken, they're messed up, and they have this hatred for the house of God because we put them in that situation. Thank you for joining us today. If this message has uplifted you, we would love to hear your story. Go to www.renovatelifecog.com and click contact. Your testimonies are a blessing to us throughout the week. Renovate Life is a place of healing for the lost, the broken, the weak, weary, and stray.